Amen. Teaching others also. Teaching others also. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. We our last session, session twenty-three, we read verses one to four, and we got down around through around verse two. So we'll read one to four again and pick up where we left off. And if you're interested in this passage, then I trust you'll get the other previous lesson and connect the two. Let's read it together. The elders which are among you, I exhort. So an exhortation is something that's stronger than just a conversation, just talking, okay? Uh, When you exhort somebody, you're, you're trying to move them. You're trying to cause them to remember it. Uh, you're trying to encourage them and advise them and, and almost, you could say cheer them, motivate them. And of course, ex- exhortations are done by words and advice. And the idea is to move you to action. Okay? To, the, the old timers would say to animate you. In other words, get you into action. And the idea then is that what we're trying to do is find out what Simon Peter exhorted them to do. So he said, the elders which are among you, I exhort. Now, in a local church context, in a Bible-believing context, we know that those are people who are involved in the work of God. In this case, it's not dealing as much with age comparison, like younger elder, which you'll look at in verse 5. But the elders is a phrase of people who have some kind of influence, we'll say, or perhaps they teach. You could be teaching a Sunday school class. You could be helping to train or mentor. Uh, At the the core level, every husband is a shepherd, is an elder. And then as if, if in that relationship God grants children, then that grows into a larger flock. And we've been talking about this thing of understanding that he's talking about sheep. So he says, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Okay? Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Why is this accountability? Why should this be important? Because in verse four, when the chief shepherd, capital S, shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. There are given in your Bible at least five different crowns that a person can, and different persons can have presented to them at the judgment seat of Christ. As a Christian. Now, here he's talking about an accountability that God will judge. So it's not that we're trying to impress people or get somebody to do that. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote in his last, or or spoke in his last address to these elders that he gathered together, he said in Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So 
you can apply some of these statements that Peter's making to any kind of accountability of leadership, any accountability of shepherding. Within a body of believers, we know that it is, it is particularly about that. Okay? The reason that's important is because there are passages that are woven in through your Bible and in through your New Testament epistles that do that. They'll be talking about a general or universal duty and then there are specific duties to the roles we play within the body of Christ. And so those roles that we play within the body of Christ, they are <clears throat> assigned by the Lord. So the picture we spoke of last time was, was an attitude. We talked about you know taking the oversight thereof. Now, the oversight is not as being a Lord in verse 3. We'll look at neither as being Lords over God's heritage. So it's not a lording over. It's not an authority issue, though it takes authority to fulfill responsibility. Uh, For years and years, I've taught this. Do not accept responsibility for something if you aren't given appropriate authority. Appropriate authority. Uh, You don't need access and authority to all the resources of a company to fulfill some little departmental thing. But you need enough of the resources. And that's authority often is an, is access to resources or it's access to influence. So the picture is neither being lords. It's not our, our attitude isn't being bosses, though we have to take the lead. I've said this so many times to people. I said, can you imagine uh, the shepherd goes out and he's got, say, 50 sheep. We'll just say 50 sheep. He's got to keep an eye on them, move them, feed them, get them ready. Listen, the value of sheep is in the fact that yearly when they go to shear them, they can sell that fleece. Otherwise, the value of sheep is a one-time value. Uh, they'll sell their carcass for meat. And they might skin them and sell their sheep skin. But the value of sheep is that they continually are producing fleece, and which is wool, And it's still widely, widely used to this day. So when we're looking at these situations, it's not a matter of lording over, as I was saying. Uh, So imagine the shepherd goes out and the sheep have decided to have their own little meeting and they go, uh, shepherd, this is what we want to do today. And then another sheep baths and says, no, that's not what I want to do. And, you know, this, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. Think how silly that is in nature. The shepherd comes out and he leads the sheep and their their responsibility is to follow. That isn't to give a pastor of a church, for example, or pastoral leadership in general, uh, a, a blank check, you might say, or blank rulership. We're not to be lords over, but we are to be in samples and we are to feed and lead. Now, I've always believed this, that one of the great things that's happened to Christianity, at least in my lifetime, I've been saved in just a few months, going on 50 years, and I've been around Christians almost that whole time, as far as, you know, being around church type people, didn't grow up that way, had no idea what church was going to be like when I started attending, have seen all kinds and, you know, traveled around the world in the pathway of duty, and I've seen all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of church setups. I will say this. It is important to keep the routine of attending the house of God and God being with God's people. However, 
That alone, just attending, is not what will help a Christian's life, a sheep's life. It's what they get while they're there. And there is a sense in which it is important to have, say, quote, fellowship. But the purpose of gathering together, is, he says, is to feed. Simon Peter says it here. The Apostle Paul said it in Acts 20. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ spoke of these sheep and of feeding them. I think it is a, an unfair situation to tell every believer all the time, well, you must go find a church unless you can help them find some place to get fed. And I'm not talking about tickling their, their intellect. I'm not talking about, you know, heaping themselves teachers having itch and ears, hear some, hear and tell some new thing. It's fed. We are so made by God. We are made this way that we need feeding. We need breathing. We breathe. We drink fluids. We eat. Uh, we need all that. We need the cycles of each day that God gives us. We need it. That's how we are. And, and we are primarily a spiritual being. We are spirit and soul and body. So two-thirds of us is not even physical. And the body that we live in is likened to a tent, to a tabernacle. Now I said that because when we begin to think about this feeding of the flock, it is very important. You know, there's, there's different kinds of shepherds. There's a, a willing, there's an unwilling. There's what the Bible calls a hireling. Somebody does it. It's a job to them. It's a profession, okay? What we want to do is we want to be the Lord's shepherds. We want to be the Lord's carer of sheep. And the principle of samples. look at verse three, and being samples to the flock, it should not be lessened, should not be negated in any way, shape, or form. Uh, is someone going to be perfect where you could just pick their, their life apart? No, they're not. But are we to live to be in samples? Yes. Now, if you make the, the example, if you make the appearance just sort of like earthly discipline or earthly character, okay, then it doesn't lead people themselves to get a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul made some statements. For example, in Philippians 3.17, he said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. In other words, God was going to use him to be an ensample. You know, you go to, uh, whether it be, say, grocery shopping, or you go somewhere and they want to hand you a, or give you a sample if they're trying to sell a particular kind of food or something, they might have someone there and they've got that skillet heated up and they've got the aroma coming off and they say, would you like to try this? They're trying to sell you something. They, they give you an ensample, a taste of it. So we are to be, and not walk around consciously, okay? We're to live and let God use us as an ensample. Now, the reason I think that's so important is that it causes us to ask ourselves, is this safe for others to follow. I found through all these years that one of the things that that kind of disturbed me, that grieved me at times, was that men in the pulpit, whether it be Sunday school class or mentoring or teaching or pastoring or missionary or evangelist, <coughs> would allow things in their life, sometimes dominant things, that it wouldn't be safe for someone else to follow. And they were, it was just kind of like, do as I say, not as I do. 
and they don't actually give it a thought. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and it's the second epistle that he wrote, uh, he said for in chapter 3, beginning verse 7, he said, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power. Okay, so so to so-called live of the gospel, to have uh, be supported by your local church is not a wrong thing as a pastor. And he said, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. And then he goes on to follow it. If you don't work, you don't eat. He was making himself an example that he wasn't trying to just milk the ministry. So as child, as a child of God in a church, he said that the labor is worthy of his hire. So we should never begrudge what we do to support the leaders in the local church. At the same time as leaders in a local church, what we're supposed to do is we're, we're supposed to give an ensample of industry, of work. It's like this. Let's say a person's in a situation where they, they you know, their main income, their, their base income is provided by the congregation for them to do the work of God. That's a great thing. That's a good thing. Okay? Now, that person who's being supported should have a part of their life that looks just like the people in the pew who volunteer to do things to keep the work of God going. And, and honestly, it's the volunteers within a local assembly that make or break the church. The salary, you might say, or the offerings to the pastor, we'll say, for example, they're not there so that other people don't ever make a visit. They're not there so that other people don't do anything and a pastor does it all. But they're also, it's also not there so the pastor can just have the easiest life possible. Every worker of God should have things that they do as if they were just a volunteer in the local church, which they're pastoring, and they do it because that's what volunteers do. They do it because that's what good church members do. Now, we shouldn't do it as leaders and rob someone of a blessing because you can do that. Sometimes people get into a frame of mind where they're just going to do it all and they're not going to ask or offer opportunities for people to do stuff. Listen, it is an opportunity to lay up rewards in heaven when people within a local church get a chance to volunteer and do things. It's an opportunity. And we need to not lose sight of the fact that that is an opportunity God wants them to have to lay up treasure in heaven. So those that is all part of shepherding. And in this particular thing, I wanna, I'm trying to limit it for the sake of using up so much of our time to this, okay? This is not gonna be a study on the pastoral epistles. We've done studies of that in other places already. But the overall picture, 30,000 feet up, looking down, you know, 10,000 meters flying over, and we see the forest and not just the trees. The overall picture is the attitude with which we work as people who are called to help God's people and to feed them, the diligence with which we feed them, you know, it should take some real effort and discipline to be to 
feed people's hearts, minds, and souls. And we should feed all that, all of that part of them. Should challenge their mind a little bit, should challenge their spirit and their soul, feed them, strengthen them, encourage them, exercise them. It should do that. We also, when we do that, we put in the effort to to prepare the food and refine it. Uh, We don't just go and just dump bushels and bushels on the table and say, you know, get what you can. Cooking, preparing food can be a real art, can be a real skill. And it's a blessing when you get to partake of it. Some of us are blessed getting to do that. And so same thing with feeding the church of God. Now in this passage that we're dealing with, verse four, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This is one of those five crowns. What is that crown for? It's for a faithful shepherding. Now, We could go into a whole thing here. We're not going to do it here, but we could about shepherding as in the life of the shepherds. And the shepherds we're talking about are ones where they're directly responsible for the well-being of the sheep, for the results of the sheep, for how the fleece comes out at the end of each year, that kind of thing. But let a picture sink into your mind that shepherding is not, it's not a nine to five thing. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., you know, punch clock and you're done. At the same time, we have all these different parts of our life that we've got to be in samples in so we can't just be willy-nilly reckless about our time. If someone needs the shepherd at 10 o'clock at night, they deserve to have the shepherd at 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to throw something out here in case you're a leader, a pastor, uh, have a Sunday school class, you're mentoring people. There's a a little bit of a process that happens from lambs to sheep. And I mean, spiritual lambs to sheep. Let's say someone gets saved and they get saved when they're in their late teens or early 20s or or older in life. And they've had time out in the world and stuff. When they first get in, they very well may not know anything about the Lord, about devotions, about walking with God. And they're going to have certain times of the week, for example, that are tougher. Friday and Saturday nights are tougher for people who've been out in the world. And as they come into into God's people out of the world, uh, they don't have the, quote, fellowship of the world they used to have. So there can be a void there if we're not careful to give them something to do with their time. So while shepherding is, is done greatly from the pulpit, and it is, Shepherding is not limited to that. And, and as pastors, as leaders, as teachers, we must remember that it's, a, it, that it's also personal contact. Now, others minimize the ministry of the word and make it such a small part of leading that they've forgotten that what really feeds that person's soul is the word of God. So when a person first gets saved, they're a lamb. They're a little lamb. So they might need to be able to call you at 10 o'clock at night or five o'clock in the morning or text you nowadays or whatever and just a little bit of affirmation, a little bit of encouragement. And then what happens is they get grounded. You gradually put in some boundaries. When they get stronger, you say, hey, unless it's an emergency, you know, give me a break sometime after 7 p.m. Let me have my home time. 
Give me, you know, I'll check on you in the morning, that kind of thing. And then pretty soon those boundaries get more defined to where they're stable enough. They're going to start helping somebody else. They're going to be available. So there's a difference between a lamb, a little lamb of God that gets saved, you know, a little new Christian. And it doesn't matter how old they are, if they're a new babe in Christ, you know, newly born, a lamb, on up to something that's stronger and more mature. So there's an accessibility there as shepherds that's really important to get hold of. And the picture is that as people grow, then they are not going to take advantage and we help, we tell them not to take advantage of us. But what we do is by our being available to them when they're just a young Christian, a lamb, they're going to learn how to pull up beside somebody and be that for them too. See, we're reproducing ourselves as shepherds teaching others also why that they may be able to. So when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that what? Faith not away. I think it's important at this, at this stage in the context to take part of the rest of this lesson and talk about that fadeth not away. So many things in life are going to fade away. So many things in life are here now, but with time, they fade away. I hope you're not trying to live out something that happened in the past. I mean, a good thing or something God used you good and you keep looking back to it, looking back to it, looking back to it. No, it's there. And if it was valuable, God's going to use it and you can let it encourage you that, you know, that God used you at that time, but you need to be involved in today and looking at today and the forward with this in mind what I'm doing if I do it with the right attitude okay not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind in other words there doesn't have to be money in it in fact it may cost me it, you know there may be a price to it we in our hearts and minds we're doing it for the right motive reason and in the right way Okay, And then we're not lording over it, but we're trying to be an ensample. So when we live this out, there's a crown of glory that fadeth not away. <laughs> that is very powerful. When he was beginning to write this letter, this epistle in chapter 1, verse 4, <clears throat> We'll pick it up in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's a crown that fadeth not away. There is a sense in which we, we really need to, we must renew this truth frequently. That what we're doing is about a crown that fadeth not away. It's not about now. It's not about being able to read the immediate results now. It's about that fadeth not away. 
Now, I don't know, you know, what you've gone through, but when he started this, and he said in verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who also am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now watch. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. It will. There will be a price. There will absolutely be a price for shepherding. Jesus said, The good shepherd layeth down his life for the sheep. You have to lay down the life of your time. You may have to lay down the life of your reputation. Um, people don't respect in many, many parts of the world and in many cultures and in many neighborhoods, they don't respect the Bible teacher and the Bible preacher. They don't respect the person who's encouraging people to follow Christ and to step away from, step towards Christ and by doing so step towards, step away from, you step towards Christ, you're going to step away from the world. You're going to step away from substances. You're going to step away from, from the things they watch and what they say and how by, by stepping towards Christ, you're stepping away from the other. And, and may I say this, people need and sheep need a place to eat and a place to water. And if you give them that, by virtue of that, you're going to keep them out of the bad pastures. Yes, they have to learn to say no to some certain things. But the problem is you can, you can let, let's take this illustration, okay? Let's say you're headed south, which is like, you know, say someone's going down, going to hell. And you come to Christ, you get saved, and someone gets hold of you and gets you in some kind of church, you know, uh, that's not straight, say, on eternal security or on water baptism, and they get they got to where you got to get baptized to be saved and all this kind of stuff. So let's say you, you're, you're headed south, you turn, and you're going east now. So you've made a left-hand turn there, and you're headed away from headed south. Well, guess what? God is north. So let's say you're going along and somebody gets you some stuff, man, they get you something to read or they get you on a YouTube channel or something and you go, well, this is not the right way. And you do a a full 180, now you're heading west. Okay, you've done a full about face, not going to the south anymore. Here's the one way to be sure that you don't turn to all those directions is the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that they turned to God from idols. The way to do it is turn to God. Turn north and the south will be behind you and the east and west will be on the side and you're headed to God. And that's what we're supposed to help people to do. And it's like Tozer's book on the pursuit of God. Our our responsibility is is to help people, is to encourage people. I love the saying that the old timer said. He said, you know, they tell you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. I grew up with horses. I can attest to that. He said, but you can put salt in their oats. <laughs> in other words, things that create a thirst, and that's what we're to be for. Sometimes you're living right, doing right. You're not conscious that you're any different than anybody else, but someone tastes of that, and, and we're supposed to be light and salt, and they taste your life, and it gives them a thirst to figure out and find out and search out the things of God. Like, why? what is it about that person that gives me this thirst to know God or this thirst to understand what they know and that's what we're to be as shepherds and that's what we're to be when we feed the flock of God we're going to pick it up next time in verse 5 and we'll start in on this the rest of this and trust it'll be a, a blessing to you father pray bless this time bless this things we've said use them I pray thee in Jesus name amen